0: And so it's really just going by the gut and like just yeah just getting captured by by this by the sound by the energy that uh, the group is putting out there.
1: It's cool. It's a cool feeling. But yeah, sometimes you really do just like like you know like what you it's like oh my god my life is really crazy <laughs> you know to have this.
2: And welcome to this episode of the Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like podcast series. It's a series of conversations with artists, singer-songwriters about their current projects, and industry people about some of the current trends. The program is hosted and produced by myself, Bruce Swan, and the podcast will endeavor to be a bridge from the weekly live concert series to the weekly radio show. While unaffiliated, they are connected with the sharing of the same name, Music My Mother Would Not Like. You can find more information about the series and the weekly radio programs at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. The radio show can be heard live on LP 103.3 FM, Asheville, North Carolina, and it's also streamed live on AshevilleFM.org. The programs are archived for about two weeks on the website as well, and the program airs on Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The weekly music series with the same name can be heard and seen on Zoom and Facebook. You can get more information on the website and on the Facebook page with the same name. Registration for the series is always free. It is a donation-based event, and that's how the artists are paid. The podcasts will vary in length. Many of the episodes will come from interviews conducted live in the radio studios or via telephone and now via Zoom. Nothing has been taken out of context and may be updated if it's possible and appropriate. The opinions expressed will be those of the speakers and not necessarily of the, any of the radio stations that I have been lucky enough to be affiliated with over the years, its owners, staff, or boards of directors. You can support this project directly through the website's PayPal account. In time, there will be a Patreon account, and we'll have heads up on articles, interviews, etc., but it's one step at a time. And if you're digging what you're listening to, please tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show and like a shout-out of thanks, let me know in the comments section of PayPal. Please remember to indicate that you are sending the donation as a gift to a friend. In the comments, let me know where you're listening from, and I won't use your last name unless you say it's okay to do so. Any little bit helps, and if I've learned anything from my years in community radio, it's that lots of big things will get done when many hands chip in a little. Think about the cost of a cup of coffee at your local favorite spot, and maybe, maybe just maybe, you're listening while you're sipping right now, and I'm glad to be keeping company with you wherever you are and or whatever you're doing. Would your business, your firm, your company, project, like to meet other cool people like yourself? Maybe you'd like to become a sponsor of the program. Working with people that think like you or share common interests is the key to getting things done. You can write to me at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like or currently enjoy the benefits of being connected with and sponsored by HearItThere.com. It's an online arts publication that supports the arts and culture in the New York City tri-state area with concentrations in the Hudson Valley and Western Connecticut. Intelligent, well-written blog articles and columns about music and the arts can also be found on the site HearItThere.com. Check it out and consider marketing your upcoming events on HearItThere.com. I do. Over the years I've had the opportunity to get to know many musicians and industry people. The musicians are often the band's principal singer or in the case of a singer-songwriter, the only person with the conversation is is about and with. I have also been privileged to get to know other radio personalities, directors of festivals, owners of venues, record promoters, and producers. Many of the conversations were to promote a single event, like a local concert or discussion about a new album with a deep dive into that project. You know, I find that sometimes as a listener, knowing a little bit more about the artist as a person makes going to the concert that much more interesting. It's it's It certainly does for me. And it does take a bit of probing, Conversations are just as much about listening as it is about talking. This episode will be a slightly different direction, and for the, for me. This week I spoke with Eric Herman, the band manager of a band known as Bombino, and the drummer of the band, Corey Wilhelm. The principal of the band does not speak English, and my French is not what it used to be since high school. Hailing from Niger, Bombino's personal story is fascinating, and a very good and brief history can be found on his website, bombino.com music.com and that's spelled B O M B I N O music dot com. It's an exceptional website and I encourage you to visit it. There are samples of the band's music, their extensive tour schedule, and of course pictures, videos, and merch. Good place for you to part with your hard earned earned money. Bombino music dot com. Now the foundation of this podcast stemmed from an interview with radio on the for the radio with Eric and Corey. The conversation was far more extensive than would be required for the radio show, but let's get to the podcast. Let's get on with it. Shortly, with the drummer Corey Wilhelm, who's an American, and their manager Eric Herman. And this is an angle that that I've never really taken on an interview. It's it's typically about the front man, or in the case of a singer songwriter, certainly the only person I'm I'm chatting with. But I think that I think that there's aspects of both of your histories that bring stuff to the band that is really interesting and interesting for us as as Americans. The, so the focus of the interview will be a slightly different direction as we talk about touring with language, cultural, and social backgrounds that are really completely different and, and foreign to me, certainly, in so many levels. So I'd really like to begin the conversation with Corey Wilhelm, the band's drummer, and welcome you both. Gents, thanks so much for your time, and, and I'm really as I said earlier, um, slightly different. Corey, uh, as I read from the Mercury News from San Jose, California, the band, and I'm probably going to uh, muck up some of the pronunciations, so please feel free to to correct my pronunciation at any time. I have a, a very thick skin where this comes from, but I'd like it to get it right. But the from uh, the Mercury News, San Jose, California, it reads, the band features fellow Touaregs Yuba Dia on bass, Elias Mohammed on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, American drummer, Corey Wilhelm joined the band in 2013 and overcame initial difficulties presented by not speaking French, Arabic or, or Tamashek. He's played a key role in, in Bambino's evolution. And when I asked him what he wanted, this is, I think you speaking, when I, when I was asked what he was looking for from me, Bambino basically said, play fast and loud, Wilhelm wrote in an email. Essentially, he has a relaxed attitude about keeping the music open and having fun doing it. Every concert is totally different and he plays what he feels. Can you give us a synopsis of how you began your journey to this band? I think I read somewhere that it was a very, very interesting story. You come from New York or left from Brooklyn and joined the band, but there's a couple of missing pieces that I have I've um, <laughs> overlooked.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, actually, oddly enough, it was uh, up north in Vermont where I met Bombino and it was just really a, a, a big stroke of uh, luck and timing for me. Um, I just, I had an amazing opportunity, some amazing connections with a really cool record label up here called uh, Kambansha Records. That was what initially, you know, led me to this this connection with Bombino. He, he was working with them prior. You know, originally it was kind of crazy. I got, I got the call to, you know, my my good friend uh, Tyler Minetti was doing road managing them with them at the time. And he originally called me just to join the tour to kind of lend a hand with like uh I guess assistant managing or whatever you want to call it and um you know long story short just right before the tour Bombino's longtime drummer at the time you know he had to he had to wrap up the tour long story short um so we needed a drummer you know I think uh credit Eric a lot for kind of just making the you know decision to kind of experiment with with me just being there and um you know that that was that was how it yeah, originally came together was just um this crazy timing of uh we need a drummer and you're here so let's try this thing um so really i was very lucky to get that you know i had about a week and a half i think to kind of uh prepare a little bit listen back I was a big fan of Bombino and big fan of Tuareg music but I was like oh I have a lot of work to do because this is not just your everyday music that you could just play to you know um, so yeah it took me pretty much that whole week and a half of just listening to the music grinding on the on the style on the groove mm-hmm. and you know really just kind of throwing caution to the wind just saying hey let's let's see what happens here <laughs> yeah and then that first I think my first show was the Sasquatch Festival in uh, Washington, which is, you know, a big one. So it was like, shake off the nerves, let's go, let's do this. But Bombino was like, you know, just the coolest guy, was so welcoming. The whole band, like, you know, before the show, he handed me the traditional robe, the boo-boo, and he was like, this is yours, you know, welcome. And like, just, I think in every other situation with any other group, it would have felt like, you know really nerve-wracking but for some reason it just felt it, things just kind of clicked i think that day one
2: yeah isn't it cool though that how those things work that that in you know it, maybe you're nervous and this is a simple gesture of welcoming this is this is this is yours this is what we wear this one's yours
1: it was a big gesture i don't know how else to explain it but just in right in that second i was like okay like this is gonna be this is gonna be really cool
2: <laughs> yeah my scene and, is, uh, is in the band I'm hip. Yeah. You
1: know, for yeah. For
2: me, this music grabbed my attention. I think from about the third note, and it was probably an Imadine. I was not really familiar with the music of of the Turek or of Niger, but I think that third note. And then the music gets into your soul and, and once it's in there, it's not getting out very easily. I think I need a, you know, an exorcism or something to have it removed because it, it is, it is very spiritual. It's very moving. It's very powerful. And I've played this music before at clubs without, without a single word of introduction or at parties. And, and sure. you, you can watch the music sort of seep into people's soul and they kind of first they, first they, they don't hear it because they're engaged in a conversation or, or, or some other activity. And then you can sort of see the head tilt to the side and try to perk their ear to the direction of the music and then try to figure it out. And pretty soon everybody is into it. You know, was it that way for you? Had had someone turned you on to the music or did you just sort of fall into it serendipitously?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, we actually talk about that a lot in the group with, with you know, especially with like Dia to the bass player. He's, he's actually not a Tuareg. He's originally from Mauritania. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Pearl musician. And like he, we always talk about you know the first time we heard Tuareg music or Bombino's music, and it's like okay, like what is this? You know, it's just a totally unique, you know, sort of breath of fresh air that really kind of comes out of nowhere. But I think it, I think a lot of it really just has to do like what you mentioned before, like that quote that you used that like, you know, Bombino and fellow Tuareg musicians, they it's just pure pure feeling, you know, pure like being in the moment with the music, and I think that that really. I don't know. It kind of adds sort of this magical flair to the style. Like you, people really pick up on it. I think, mm-hmm. you know, nothing is premeditated. Nothing is like, there's no, you know, there's no, there's nothing really inhibiting you. No thoughts about the music. You just playing, you know, and it's, um, you know i think that really comes across in the twerog music in general
2: well neither of us really grew up with this music this is not this is not part of our our culture uh certainly myself yeah. growing up in with 60s and 70s rock and roll and classic rock and hard rock and <laughs> prog rock maybe a little bit of prog rock you could, you could maybe pull that in and, and have it work oh, off but i can talk all day
0: about rock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe in that that's a natural progression you know has i think that music really helps bridge the gaps between cultures and language, but has the spoken language ever been a hindrance or an obstacle for you with the band? Because, you know, the, the, the language Tomashek is not, it's not a romance based language. It's not a Germanic based language. It's very different from, from ours. And, and perhaps there's some ties to Arabic, but Arabic is not common, commonly heard in the United States for all, for all people.
1: Well, I look a lot, I look at a lot of the similarities between the language barriers and, and the music barriers, you know, I have like, uh, when I first joined the band, I didn't know, I didn't know Tomashek. I didn't know French. I didn't know Arabic. I didn't know any of that. You know, mm. Bombino basically asked me in French, how are you when I arrived? And I just, was like, I got nothing, <laughs> you know, you know, that, like I said, there's a lot of similarities between, you know, how we play and how we communicate in the sense that, you know, we stay patient with each other mm. and mm. eventually sort of find this common ground, this common plateau that we could, that we could communicate on. And, over time it becomes easier and easier you know your your ear sort of adjusts to that level of um always having to sort of refine what you're hearing and work with it um and uh it's definitely a challenge you know i'd say still still a challenge to this day i'm still learning french and how to you know communicate 100 percent with bombino and the guys but um you know, we always find some way to make it work, and uh, whether it's musically or with, you know, on a language level, like, and uh, it's really cool. I feel really blessed to have the opportunity to do that. You know, not many people do, and uh, it's really, yeah, it's really cool.
2: No, it's clear from from the tone of your voice, from the excitement of it, um, from the engagement. That that you're Thank giving. You. The, the, I have a little the, bit of cold, so I'm sorry. Well, no, but you can hear when people are are turned on to what they're doing. This is not just a set. You're not a session musician with this project. It's it's you're, you're a band member. You're a band mate. Has and and I hate to ask sort of a maybe a, a fifth grade question here, but and it's a little bit off the wall, perhaps out of context. But has diet as you've been touring and maybe this is something Eric wants to weigh in on a little bit, has that been a challenge for you? Has, has there been dietary restrictions that you've had to accommodate or deal with, or, or you know, has that presented um, any challenges? That's
1: a, that's a good question. Cause obviously it's a big part of the, the road life. And I think our general well being while we're on the road, um, it's, it's hard. I mean, I think for anybody that's on the road just to find some sort of, you know, balanced diet that they, that they're, used to is a challenge you know for the guys they're from the desert (laughs) so they like meat they just really like to eat that you know they like meat a lot so (laughs) basically as long as there's like eggs around you know there's rice or some chicken or something like that you know they're happy (laughs) for the most part you know what I mean but there's you know there's definitely challenges i think a lot of people assume that like for whatever reason like like let's put together like this vegetable thing and like they're gonna love it and then it's like we show up and they're like wait where's the meat where's the where's meat, the meat? <laughs> um so <where's> the meat? <laughs> we deal with those kind of things a lot um i, I was expecting for the most part yeah like, like the.
2: You know, i guess i was sort of expecting a, a more complicated oh, answer but <laughs> i think that that's you know, that's right on. It's just right to the core. As long as there's meat no. on the plate, you know, we'll get through the rest of this thing together. That, that's yeah. fantastic. Here at is an online arts publication that supports the arts and culture of the New York City tri-state area with concentrations in the Hudson Valley and Western Connecticut. Intelligent, well-written blog columns about music and the arts can also be found on the site hearitthere.com. it's like it sounds h-e-a-r-i-t-t-h-e-r-e.com check it out and consider marketing your upcoming events on hearitthere.com. i do let's jump over to eric and uh i had i'd had mislabeled you in, in my introduction as tour manager that 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 is not Accurate. Although you have been out on the road and, and instrumental there, what challenges would you say, uh, from a touring standpoint, has been faced? Has faced you? Certainly, international challenges a visa, uh, getting the band probably into the United States and working cross cross uh, international lines, um, language barriers, and I guess also has it been challenging for you to expand the the band's base? You know that because it, it's not. It's not typical music. There's a very atypical attitude or um, sound to it. Yet, once you hear it, and maybe you felt the same thing that it's—it just becomes part of your soul, part of your your body, part of your blood, whatever. That it gets in and it's not getting out. Did that happen for you? And and again, really, what what are some of the challenges from from an administrative side? Have have you had to face for the band or on behalf of the band?
0: Uh, Yeah. Great question. Um, All right. So I guess I'll I'll break it down for first to like just the logistical challenges um, of bringing artists from mean, Bambino and uh, his rhythm guitar player Kawasan from Niger. And which, you know, for for those that don't know is a country in kind of Northwest Africa. Uh, It's a Muslim country predominantly. Uh, They are Tuareg which is a a small minority ethnicity in Niger that also uh, uh, there's Tuareg people uh, throughout that region um, and a diaspora in Europe and and over here in the U.S. uh, But it's still it's a very small uh, ethnic group. And uh, yeah, they have a very distinct culture and worldview and and everything else presents a lot of challenges, uh, in bringing them over to, uh, acclimatize to the way that, uh, bands typically tour here, uh, and in Europe and elsewhere. And there are many logistical challenges, red tape, uh, visas, as you mentioned, are being probably first and foremost, everywhere they go, you gotta have months of planning, very high, uh, you know, costs just to, uh, just to procure the visa, it's usually, it's not just paying for a visa. You're usually hiring a a team of lawyers to secure the visa for you and prove to the state department that this particular artist is, is worthy of of a visa to come uh, and and share their music over here. And so that that's always been a a major hurdle for artists like Bombino to try to break out um, of their local scene and start touring around the world Visas are not easy to procure, and uh, you need a team uh, to make it happen, and you need deep enough pockets to, to make that investment, and then just you know hope that your the tour is going to cover those costs ultimately. Yeah, there's tax issues that are also that really get in the way. As a foreign artist, you basically need to deliver a full budget to uh, uh, the IRS to review and approve and that's also that also costs a pretty penny and so you have to do that well in advance of any tour dates everything you happen has to be reviewed by them ahead of time and after the fact All of this to avoid them just uh in taking 30 percent of the the gross fee off the top sure, um sure. and so there's th- these are very big challenges and then that's not even to speak of like the cultural and language barrier challenges Uh, and then, you know, the marketing challenges, the, uh, how do you, how do you grow the fan base, acquire new, new ears and eyeballs? It's all, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's all rather challenging and kind of unique to this, uh, kind of artist that's coming from somewhere, uh, far away that people don't really have much experience with over here. So yeah, that that has always kept us on our toes. And we've dealt with all kinds of frustrations and struggles and disappointments um, at the hands of various governments, who just seemed to just be getting in the way for, for the sake of getting in the way a lot of the time.
2: Right I, I I'm not familiar of some of the challenges internationally for for the band maybe going to Europe or but I know from yeah, just similar, getting into I North mean, America similar stuff right. to what
0: I was describing here I mean uh visas and taxes and you know just um local local and then, and then you deal with the cultural challenges mm-hmm. of uh like a, like you said the diet on the road is tricky although fortunately you know as as they spend more time on the road they get you know more and more acclimatized and so now we know like they'll they love indian food they love chinese fried rice like there's plenty of kind of substitutes for their like the food that they are used to having at home Mm -hmm. that that you know they're uh, they're close enough basically for them Uh, bombino also has like his own particular taste and he's like he's a big fan of lasagna for example <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: he's one of the be, few no, uh, like african
0: artists that i've worked with that that really likes milk and ice cream and stuff uh, oh, a lot of the other cream. african artists oh. i've worked with yeah they don't really uh get into dairy so much but he's an exception to that so you know obviously people are people but that's uh But yes, um, it's it was certainly a challenge, especially in the early years. I mean, as as we as the years go by, it gets easier and easier for the guys, um, you know, to just uh, be comfortable on the road, just because you know that's just what happens with with more and more experience, uh, and they learn ways to go about, uh, about things such as, so that they can stay comfortable. For example, like we don't do hotels very often anymore. When we have the choice we do, we put them in Airbnbs because they're more comfortable just hanging out in a group than having their own hotel room. Often they'll prefer that, that situation, even if it doesn't give everybody a comfy room and their own bathroom and stuff like that, like they would might otherwise get at a hotel. You know, we do a lot of kind of alternative outside the box strategizing, for Bombino and them because uh, it's a very unique artist and a unique group in a unique situation. And uh, yeah. And then as for your question about how do you get, how do you capture the American audience? Um, that's something that we have grappled with for our entire existence, my company Modiba, and we, we kind of specialize in, in African and Latin American and, and other foreign music and um, it's interesting because, as you say, like there's something just universally uh, enthralling about Bombino's music and you know Tuareg music more generally. Something that does resonate with with us over here, but at the same time, we don't understand a word of what he's saying, and that's a big deal for for a lot of you know, of of artists and and acquiring new fans. I think uh, many people who are fans of music put a lot of stock in, uh, in what, in the lyrics and the poetry of that and how that, how they connect to what the artist is singing about. And so that's something that is just much more based on a feel uh, than actually an intellectual, like connection of knowing what, what he's talking about in reality, he's talking about very universal themes of love and, and solidarity and community and friendship and just resilience and, and these kinds of, you know, themes that everyone could connect with, but, but we don't have any clue of what he's saying. And so it's really just going by the gut and like, just, yeah, just getting captured by, by this, by the sound, by the energy that uh, the group is putting out there.
2: Because the sound for me is absolutely Infectious. That I I was, I sat in a room, the room was packed. It was 225 seats in this, in this black box theater, horseshoe shaped. I mean, the worst seat in the room is like eighth row center. I mean, that's as far away from, from the stage as you can possibly get. So it's very intimate. And I knew that there were people that had never heard the music before. And then you could just watch them sort of catching on. Someone talked to them to buy in the ticket or they just had a ticket. Whatever whatever got them there within five minutes, they knew that they were at the right place. And and I've never you know you might say that about The Grateful Dead and some other bands that that their their vibe, their sound, their culture sucks you in. Mm-hmm. And, and you're immediately felt welcome. I never felt like I was a foreigner. I never felt like a foreign language was being spoken. It was clear that I didn't understand a single word until Corey spoke. And I think a couple of the mm-hmm. guys were, were okay. A uh, little bit of English, but you know, yeah, you know, no, understand- you're right.
0: It, it is a very welcoming style of music. It is, it, you know, I think Bombino brings to it, I mean, what he's, what he's added to the, the tuareg musical tradition is this blending of of different influences especially kind of the classic rock and that kind of thing that that you referenced it's you know he took that's what he grew up with he grew up listening to tinarwin which is like a predecessor tuareg band uh probably the most well-known tuareg musical act uh, to date and he grew up in there from the previous generation, mostly. And he grew up listening to them and Ali farkatore from Mali, but also listening to Santana and Dire Straits and Jimi Hendrix. Right. And so the music that came out of him naturally when he first picked up a guitar as a kid was an interesting blend of all of that. And that's still what, uh, what he's been forging forward with uh, to this date. And he's since added reggae into, into the mix Uh, and funk, and, um, you know, just other stuff that he synthesizes with the Tuareg traditional rhythm and and melody structure. So you end up with something that's, feels very exotic and familiar at the same time.
2: I think that that's a great way to describe it, that it it is not only exotic, but somehow, somehow familiar at the same time. I think that that's, 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 Sorry, that's the nail on the head. My job is done.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and he's a guitar hero, which is, which is, you know, he first and foremost, if you have to just, if you have to say what is, you know, who is Bombino? If you ask me uh, as, as his manager for a long time, I would just say he is a, a badass guitarist. Um, he's one of the greats in the world um, from any, any, you know, style of music. He plays hard. Yeah. He, sh- he shreds in a completely, you know, singular way uh, that nobody else can do. And when you hear, and he's one of these amazing guitars where you only have to hear a note or two of him playing to know that it's him. And people always yeah. ask like, how does he tune his guitars? Like, how does he do that? he's right. like, he has a classic tuning. It's, very, it's standard Western tuning. Everything he's doing is, is standard in that sense. And yet he's able to uh, create a tone and a sound and a style that is like utterly his own. And even within Tuareg music, it's very clear when Bombino's is playing uh, as opposed to anyone else. And so that's, you know, that is kind of in the Hendrix Santana tradition of like, you know, just being these guitar heroes with, so it's an archetype of a type of musician that I think also resonates here in in the U S and that's maybe for, you know, but certainly people that grew up with classic rock and in like the heyday of, of the electric guitar here. So, and it's kind of ironic. I feel like, you know, the guitar has been declining in, in Western popular music and, you know, keyboards and electronic stuff and synthesizers, all that are are ascendant again and where rock music has really shifted uh, largely is into other parts of the world, like, Uh, north North and west africa and that's where it's really hot and happening so anyways it's yeah it's it's an interesting dynamic uh certainly but um yeah i mean that's that's what Bombino's all about like he's enigmatic but he is has like so many universal uh, virtues that that we can appreciate even without knowing him very well directly, or you know, uh, getting up too close. You can go to a show, and I think probably just just feel that uh, feel this universal connection, and that's what he's all about too—is uh, sharing Tuareg music and culture with people in a way that that demonstrates how we're all uh, so closely connected.
2: Yeah, I think that that really does sum it up nicely. And I think, uh, as we said earlier, there really is no typical show for the band. They're different. They're fantastic. My experience was that nothing was left on the stage when when they were done. They were done. That was it. You couldn't.
0: Oh yeah, they're they're always you, you know I like high five them and you know pat them on the back on the way off whenever I'm there. And you know, to a man, they are all completely drenched <laughs> with sweat at the end of the show. Mm-hmm.
2: UndiscoveredMusic.net has something for everybody involved in seeing, playing, and hosting live music. It is a well-organized website designed to help you find musicians to play at your venue, what venue the artists are playing at, and when. So if you are a music buyer, player, or watcher, in person or virtual, check out UndiscoveredMusic.net. What's on the horizon for the band? I see that the tour is rather extensive. You've got dates that go through um, through August, but you're also you know back and forth Lisbon here, Denver tomorrow. You know a Gee, lot of a yeah. lot of back and forth, um, yeah. jumping back and forth. Probably to pick up dates that were promised due to COVID, and maybe that does bring up another aspect. But um, let's start off with what's on the horizon for the band. Will it be more recording, more touring, maybe a vacation, maybe all of the above? I don't know.
0: Oh yeah all of the above um not so much vacation in the near future <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sorry cory <laughs> <laughs> <Miss laughs> <Well, the memo. laughs> you know they've had you know as bum you know has reminded me every time i've asked him like should we add this date should we get that date i don't know it's going to be really busy and he said you know we've been sitting sitting uh on our hands for the last two years so we're we're ready to go so uh yeah they have extensive touring as you said uh starting in well, on May 18th is their, the first date of their long tour. They were just at the New Orleans Jazz Fest and uh, mm-hmm. Festival International in Lafayette. They'll be back at it soon. And then going from May, in the middle of May all the way into late August on the road, bouncing back between the U.S. and Europe, and they're going to be in Morocco. Yeah, with a, f- we have a few days off here and there, but pretty much almost every day they'll be uh, performing. And then we are actually putting plans together right now uh, for the next studio uh, session. And that will be, you know, as we're planning right now, uh, we plan to go back to the same studio that we cut his last album, Deron, uh, in Casablanca in Morocco. Uh, this really, really special spot that a friend of Bambino's uh, hipped us to years back. Yeah, Studio Hiba, it's called just a tremendous place. Um, And so we're going to go back there. And that's, that's probably all I can reveal at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, basically they're going to be working out a bunch of new stuff as, as they go on the road over the next, over the next several months. And so by the time September rolls around, they should be really uh, fired up and ready to go in the studio.
2: You know, Corey, for you, um, what does this expose you? Did you ever, envision that this would take you literally all over the world as, as a band member or as a musician or as you know some kid passing through vermont
1: that's a great question yeah like i said when everything was first starting like i really just uh, you know threw caution to the wind and uh, just just went you know forward <laughs> it just went with the went with the flow and if you know it really did take me um some time to like uh, get my bearings and say, Hey, this is, this is really happening because, you know, before I, before Bombino, like, uh, you know, I played a lot of music, but I, I really hadn't traveled much. I hadn't left the country. So it was really just like this, this crazy experience that, you know, took a minute to have a full awareness of, you know, Um, like sort of like when you're out there grinding you're, you're playing every day, it's kind of like you, I think you have to, just stay in the moment and just mm-hmm. you know the, that realization of like my life is really crazy right now sometimes it really kind of catches up to you <laughs> but yeah like you know what we were talking about before like i think bombino and and the crew like we're all just really comfortable when we're when we're in motion you know we call it the caravan mm-hmm. you know when we're doing the grind and like we're we're waking up and we're kind of in the same routine every day it's, it's not easy, but, like, we all sort of find this uh, comfort in it, I think. And especially Bombino, you know, I think just motion just sort of, like, stirs in his soul a little bit. And he just, he needs to move. He needs to be just, like, kind of on this, going this direction forward somewhere to the next destination. I think that all sort of rubs off on us a little bit. And, like, we, it's cool. It's a cool feeling. But, yeah, sometimes you really do just, like, like you, you know, like what you said, Dead, like yeah. it's like oh my god my life is really crazy <laughs> you know to have this opportunity to play this music i know like 10 years ago you know i never thought i would i would have to to, to answer your question i never thought i would be this lucky yeah are
2: yeah. you the first um westerner to play in the band
0: well aside from eric <laughs> true uh, yeah eric, i, think <laughs> I guess i'm the first i guess i get to play on the
1: bass um And you know, a lot of credit to him too. It's it's really not easy. Also, our our good friend uh, Tyler Minetti, Mm -hmm. he was Bombino's road manager for a long time, Mm -hmm. and also, sort of a a jack of all trades, playing bass, guitar, whatever. So yeah, same same kind of thing for them. It was just like really kind of tuning your ear to a different frequency almost, and just you know, getting up there and and doing your best. And uh, every show kind of gets a little bit easier. You kind of get more adjusted to the to the feel and everything. So, yeah. But I think I was the first uh I was the first drummer, the you know, the first okay. western drummer, which is arguably a pretty, you know, big role in the Yeah, in I was going to say you know, completely role.
2: different rhythms. You know, for you as, as a as a drummer, you know, maybe you came up in the classic classic uh rock era or um marching band in high school, but this is a completely different beat structure.
1: Totally. Yeah, I think, you know, my background, I was really blessed, you know, my I Starting out was like um, kind of a heavy hitting, heavy metal, hardcore drummer for a long time. And then I decided to, you know, get a little more studious and focus on, um, you know, other styles, kind of become a little bit more seasoned. So I I studied at Berkeley for a little bit. I was actually really lucky. It's kind of a crazy coincidence to study with uh, a guy, Joe Galliota. And he actually had played with Bombino prior. He played on Bombino's record, Agadez. He played djembe. Okay. And, um, you know, I studied uh, um, music from all over West Africa with him. Um, so that really kind of gave me this, I think, a good background in terms of, like, the, you know, the, the pulse of the African music, this kind of different kind of uh, infliction, this different energy. And um, so it was, like, yeah, having that, like, hard-hitting sort of rock background sort of combined with that knowledge, you know, of African you know, African rhythms, like I think was, uh, I was really lucky to have that, you know, and I I think that's what I really kind of tried to channel was like that fusion of those two styles. You know, when I first started with know, it definitely didn't happen overnight. (laughs) You know, I think my first, I, I feel like I'm still, I'm still dialing it in every day, every show. But yeah, definitely like the first couple of years.
2: Isn't that kind of refreshing, though? I mean that that it's it's not every day you're, you're sort of learning something. It's getting deeper into your soul. You're picking up on new stuff, but yeah. but it's not it's not a day at the office. It's not you know nine to five, Monday to Friday type gig. I think for both of you, I think that that that, that the uh, um, you know the crossover between what we might think of a stereotypical musical impressive. management and performance yeah. um, working in, in this group. Free programming is not cheap to produce, and if you'd like to support this type of independent podcast, you can make a donation right now at musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. You'll have my gratitude and my deep appreciation. Thanks so much. As sort of a side question, are you worried about COVID? Are you worried about... The pandemic are you taking any special precautions are you staying distance from from fans and, and maybe limiting your interaction where you otherwise might not have uh what what's what's concerning you because I think all of us have seen the byproduct of this of this pandemic that one of you gets sick it kind of stops the tour and and the momentum of it is is scary. Yeah
1: I, I just got off the tour I got a cold and I as soon as I got home I took a test and it was like please please don't be COVID <laughs> you know it's scary. I mean, especially like, a, you know, a festival like uh, New Orleans or, mm-hmm. you know, where we just were, in Louisiana. It was like, you could wear a mask, uh, you could take all the precautions you want, but you're still going to be like in this crowded area. Like there's, you know, you sort of feel like a little bit powerless to it at this point. I think it's obviously good to be conscious and be as safe as you can, you know, but there's definitely that, that air of like, is there anything I could do to avoid <laughs> to avoid this in this right. in these uh, crowded you know?
2: And Eric, sort of same question to you from from management standpoint. You, know, you talked about the 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 costs and the expenses. Just to give the listeners a perspective, right? This, these are not hundreds of dollars and, and hours of application. It is hours and hours and tens of thousands of dollars in some cases on an aggregate basis. And just in the United States alone, it can be thousands and thousands of dollars between expedition fees, investigative fees, all the rest of the stuff that just starts adding up to the bottom mm-hmm. line. And then mm-hmm. they say, and perhaps you want to consider the expedition fee to get this thing done quickly.
0: Well, exactly. You, you basically have to. Um, if you want any kind of you know assurance that your visa is going to get processed, you need to do that anyhow. But yeah, know, as for your question to, uh, to, about COVID, I mean... It's it's a whole other layer of complication, first and foremost, I think, uh, when you're looking at it, just from a tour logistic uh, mm-hmm. point of view. Just imagine, you know, all of these, like, we're really kind of trying to thread these needles, getting this band from one place to another, oftentimes, you know, just you know, just on a razor's edge of like, okay, well, if they miss this flight, like that sets off this domino effect where they're going to, where the next few shows are going to be in jeopardy and it's going to cost, you know, a ton of money to, to rebook flights and, and all that. So you're always kind of in, in that, on that kind of shaky ground to begin with. And then you add on top of it, oh, and also they need to find a PCR test before this <laughs> flight and that flight and the other one. And like, so on top of everything else, yeah, we're going to have to figure out where is there a clinic in rural Arkansas where we can, you know, like, or, you know, just as, you know, just throwing out examples, but no, fortunately, fortunately that's, real. yeah. But fortunately most, I mean, at least the testing requirements have have really eased uh, just very recently So that has not been as much of an issue as it was when they did, they did some touring last year, just a little bit. And, you know, that was a major factor. So that's becoming a little bit less of a factor, but yeah, as you point out, uh, they, from a health perspective, it is absolutely just this ominous presence that's there throughout. And I think as much as people want to just say like, Hooray, it's over. We can finally get back to our our normal life and doing things like having fun at big music festivals. And on the one hand, we can, but there is always going to be that, you know, extra degree of risk of like, well, but if someone catches COVID, even if they're not going to get terribly sick, everyone in the band is vaxxed and boosted. So I'm not uh, really concerned for, you know, for terrible health outcomes Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. they were to catch it, but what, you know, but it certainly could completely throw off a big tour, like what we've got right now. I mean, I had, Covid recently, and even though I didn't get badly sick, it it still knocked me out for five days or so, where I was would certainly in no state where I would be able to perform. So, yeah, you know, it keeps <laughs> keeps us nervous, basically, in the office. <laughs> I
2: was going to say gonna probably happen. a lot but of guys, sleepless nights.
0: Know, yeah, but the guys, the guys are generally, you know, I think they they have their heads up, they're aware of what's going on, they they're as careful as they can be, you know, within reason, you know, so. Uh, it's just, you just at a certain point, throw your hands up and say, you know, what what will be, will be at this point. We got to, the show must go on. And, you know, even though that threat continues to exist, I think it's at, you know, as long as it's not threatening anybody's life in the band or like, or even, you know, their health in a very serious way uh, to the best of what we can surmise, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a risk we just have to take.
2: Hey, we're back. I've enjoyed this conversation immensely with drummer Corey Wilhelm and band manager Eric Herman. The insights that you've afforded me ha- have been tremendous, and I really kind of hope that listeners have picked up on this vibe. And certainly, the phones usually jump when I start spinning. But Eric and Corey, how how would you sum up a, a typical concert? Is there like a one-word summary or a two-word, or you know, what, what, what's what's happening for you as band members and as people standing in the wings?
0: Well, I would say if I had to summarize what the uh, Bombino live experience is in one word, it's energy, and it's it's that's what he that's really all he cares about. His guitar is just a vehicle to, towards creating that energy and inspiring it in everyone that's in the room. And so that's what I would tell people that are interested in checking him out is that, you know, it, you won't be going and sitting with your arms folded, have, you know, watching a show in the traditional sense, you're going to be a part of a, a shared experience where he, he's trying through his high energy kind of really tactile and and psych, psyched out kind of rock. He's, he's, creating a shared experience but that but the audience is just as much a part of that as the band you know he will create energy that he will hope to resonate in the audience and mm-hmm. then he wants that thrown right back at him I mean and it's you know so it, it's a two-way street absolutely and so they will feed off of whatever and whatever energy the crowd gives them So I'd say that it's like if you are ready for a high energy, a shared rock experience, unlike anything uh, you can get from any other artist, this show is for you.
2: Corey, you've got the seat that Levon Helm said the best seat in the house. What would you say your perspective is Uh, sitting there up on the drum throne looking out?
1: Yeah, just uh, truly, truly blessed. And every show that I get to uh, play with these guys is just I can't, I can't tell you how lucky I am to have the opportunity. Yeah.
2: Look for more information about the band. And it's really a very, very, very good website. Bombinomusic.com. We'll put it back up. Follow them on social media. Get a ticket, man. Don't be a chump on the outside looking in because the view is not the same. You got to be inside. Eric, Corey, thanks so much for your time. I'm very grateful.
0: Thank you so much.
2: I hope you enjoyed this the 11th episode of the podcast series known as conversations at music my mother would not like you can get more information about the weekly radio shows and the weekly stream series at that site music my mother as a side note I did get to see the band play in Asheville at the Gray Eagle. The show was packed with enthusiastic fans. It was a fascinating mix of people that came from as far as Atlanta and Knoxville, and of course, within a short drive from Asheville, North Carolina, too. The concert was amazing, and yes, Corey hit the drums hard, loud, and fast all night long. It was a mind bending, mind boggling concert, and certainly exceeded all my expectations and uh, warmed my heart. Check out the band if you get a chance to see them i promise you their music is infectious it is um well as i said to one of the the, the dork people last night when this music gets into your soul you have to have it exercised, remove it from you but just absolutely brilliant i'm bruce swan and thanks so much for listening and so until next time don't take any wood nickels so long for now